This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I am counting down the top 10 GOP candidates that I think are slated to do the big A-list debate Thursday night at 9. The kind of tail end of it might... uh, move around a little bit as polling numbers change but i'm taking who i think are the 10 heaviest hitters i'm ranking them from my least favorite to my number one pick so if the primary was tomorrow this is the person i would vote for but right before the break i got a call from robert in kennesaw who said he thought that my list and i'm going to read it off to you in a sec that my list leaned towards the anti-conservative so that begs the question of what is a conservative? What do you mean by conservative? So I'm a libertarian, which I think is pretty close to a traditional conservative, kind of Barry Goldwater conservative. And these are my principles. And this is, I think they are valid principles against which to gauge the GOP, because I think they're the stated principles, although not always that what they put into practice. Uh, small government, low taxes. Uh, the that's a, there's three pillars basically small government low taxes uh, defend civil liberties and the bill of rights all of them including the fourth amendment the tenth amendment which reserves a lot a lot of power by the states and then the third pillar is a strong and moral defense policy our foreign policy should be purely about defending us from physical attack we should have free trade that'll make us uh, friendly with people but as far as uh, our military policy it should be really in defense of this country and that i think is where people think i don't sound conservative because i think that lip service is paid to that principle but there is an agenda coming out of washington and the media to distort what we think is actually a defensive policy and the the beginning of that i think was in the 80s i read a book which i've mentioned on the air before irving crystal bill crystal's father he's a uh, um a big guy at the weekly standard i'm sure you've seen him on tv irving crystal wrote a book neoconservatism the autobiography of an idea and you can go to my website i thoroughly reviewed and summarized that book it is quite a shocking read but i'm going to uh, give you a little snippet from that i have a big long quote i'm just going to read a couple of lines out of it but you can find it all i have a quotes tab on my website monicaperezshow.com irving crystal said the american people know that they're and he's talking about foreign policy here and he also says economic policies in the same category the american people know their opinions are not reasoned opinions only shallow attitudes that are waiting to be shaped by uh, washington's elites and it goes on it's a much longer quote but he they went out of their way to shape how we view foreign policy so we think we are maintaining our principles and i think in our hearts we are but we look we are uh in the mainstream media and the washington establishment is in total control of the facts and this persuasive element that uh it feels like my my foreign policy preferences are not strong defensive and just 
Uh, but I think they are. And that's really just a question of fact, which we get into a lot during the show. So let me, uh, you tell me if you think that my list is uh, what Robert thought leans towards the anti-conservative. I don't think so. I think people like the list. I'm going to get to some calls uh, right after I rattle that off and give you my number one choice. But I'm going to start with 10. And you can, I'm happy to defend or argue. This is my least favorite to my most favorite. Ted Cruz, uh, number 10. Number 9, Jeb Bush. Number 8, Chris Christie. Number 7, Mike Huckabee. Number 6, Marco Rubio. Number 5, Scott Walker. Number 4, Ben Carson. Number 3, Donald Trump. Number 2, John Kasich. And... Number 1, Rand Paul. How could you not think it was going to be Rand Paul? And I got to say, it was tough. I didn't want to put him there because he has really had to pivot to that establishment uh, narrative about what really constitutes a just war, a moral defense policy. I think he's had to pivot to the establishment, even a little bit on the surveillance state stuff. But... I can't imagine you grew up with Ron Paul and you don't know which way is up, at least in my book. So, and here's the funny thing, uh, that my hope is that Rand Paul's a, a typical politician in that he's just saying that and he really isn't as, uh, as establishment as he's coming off. So, like, if your hope is that the guy's lying, I think that's, like, a really hard thing to say. This should be my number one choice. But I'm, I'm not ready to abandon him. But I do feel like my choices are going to change over time. My second choice, John Kasich, the Ohio governor. I did get a tweet from um, a, a frequent tweeter. <laughs> Resist me much. You do know that Kasich greatly expanded Medicaid in Ohio via Obamacare, right? And I did know that. I, I, I understand that none of these guys is perfect. And I know that's a big bad. I marched against Obamacare three times in D.C. before it was too late, even though it was looking grim. But there is the argument to be made that your your people pay in big federal money, your state, and uh, you, you can't just take it. They argue you can't take a stand full on your sword and sacrifice all that money for your national image. So I can understand why he did that. I think Ron Paul used to do stuff like that. I, until it becomes where you're getting back more than you're paying in, there is a moral argument for it. Uh, also, I Ted Cruz was was like my lowest choice because I really think that he's been quite duplicitous. But I am going to uh, get to that in a second. I'm going to take some calls. I, I want to go to Robert in Kennesaw. Robert, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I just have to thank you for being on the air because you really are a, a breath of fresh air. Um, Especially with a lot of the neocon conservative talk shows around here. Great libertarian voice. Um, Rand Paul, I think, is a great choice. He's the only one really talking about civil liberties. Yeah, that is what he is. He has been consistently strong on that. And given that a lot of these guys give up on the Fourth Amendment, I feel like maybe that's enough to like him for that. Exactly. And as far as, you know, Trump goes, I just want to say that I've, read and heard that he's actually given money to the democratic yes and that's very worrisome to me yeah hillary was at his last wedding right yeah he's talking the talk and you know he's really paying lip service and you know people are frustrated so i understand why people like him because he's 
he's what he's saying is a lot of it's very true. So, but I really think that you can't really trust him. And you know, the really honest people, you know, like you said, Ben Carson, Rand Paul. You're right. If he's anything like his father, you know, it'll yeah. be great. That then that would be great. The the thing with uh, uh, Trump is he said that he did that because it. Uh, he demo- he he kowtows or contributes to the Democrats and the Republicans because then they answer his phone when he calls on business matters, which is like the worst of the worst. But still, he said in the same breath, that's the worst thing you can do. It's awful. I know how it works. I can stop it. I mean, I don't know if he really if he really would stop it. I want to get to uh, Mickey and Noonan. Hi, Mickey. You're on with Monica. Ah, oh, I just lost Mickey. I'm going to go to Terry real quick. Hi, Terry. You're on with Monica. Oh, hey, Monica. You are a breath of fresh fresh air. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for calling. Oh, thank you. I wanna I wanna know if you can um I want to I'm calling to get your perspective because I am just totally discombobulated with all of them. Okay. I was one that did not vote until my early forties and I voted Bill Clinton was my first vote. Okay, I voted for him twice. Now, when he was in office, everybody was doing just fine. Is there any way we can ever get back to that? Well, you know, he was in a unique position because he was wedged between the Cold War and the War on Terror. So we had all this extra money because we weren't we weren't funneling a trillion dollars a year into the military industrial complex. And we had this balanced budget. And I almost the really cynical part of me says bankers who some think are the real shadow government simply won't stand for a balanced budget if you're not racking up debt year after year you're just not following the program so i think he was in a unique position like that and until uh we realize that we're spending the same on an annual basis on defense roughly as we did in real dollars in during world war ii that maybe there's a smarter way to do that and and we could uh if we just stopped racking up all that debt and wasting money on um, stuff that you're not going to use in that way, that that prosperity might trickle down. So I think there's a chance, but not in this current environment. Oh, that, that's exactly right. I can't see it happening anytime soon. No. But. And, uh, and uh, thank you, Terry. You know what? I'll get into a little bit. Coming up, uh, I will talk about why I think this issue of foreign policy and defense spending is so important, and uh, it's not just uh, a side issue. I have begun to think that it is the central issue and that the domestic policy and stuff just uh, goes in the wake of that, but it's complicated. So I'll tell you about that. I want to take your calls. I want to talk a little bit more about Donald Trump. I want to talk a little bit about Ted Cruz. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hi today of 92. Tomorrow is going to be a lot like today with a high of 91. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And we are going over the top candidates for the GOP uh, primary. They're doing their debates on Thursday, and they have uh, 
They have 17 candidates. So they're doing like a B-list debate of people who get, I think, like a 1% or less of the polling votes. And the top one, the A-list is people who are, it's like the top 10, who I think are getting more than 1%. So I rattled off my... Uh, my picks and somebody asked me who's my like top and and bottom my top i just said was Rand paul basically because i think that the apple can't have fallen that far from the tree i mean i just love ron paul and i'm just gonna let Rand paul skate on that for a little bit longer even though i don't like some of the compromises he's made and uh the one i like the least is ted cruz which if you if you our regular listener to my show, you'd probably be surprised at that because I was a huge defender of him when he had that kind of fake filibuster for Obamacare. Uh, I think, what was it, like a year uh, or a year and a half ago? So he was trying to use a procedural method, which if the Republicans had stood behind him would have worked and it would have kicked Obamacare down the road for a year at least. And the Republicans all came down on him for it because they wanted Obamacare to be incredibly irritating so that they could win uh, uh, the elections in November and take control of Congress. And their strategy did work, but I felt like his strategy would have been better because it would have really stopped the implementation of Obamacare, which once it's implemented and you try to extricate yourself from it, it's going to get super complicated. And then you really can't, will have to like figure something else out. And you can never really return to the freedom once you've incorporated all this, these mechanisms. So I thought he was fighting the good fight. And then... I started to wonder, I just started to get a kind of dishonest feeling from him. And my friends, I lived in Texas for a long time. They say he was like full of it and whatever. And I wondered if maybe he was just playing a game with the Republicans because that is how I think this stuff works. Well, I I discovered this video, this clip of him, which really shocked me. I wrote a couple of articles about it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. But what it was, was he was in, it looked like a senior center or whatever. There's some older folks who look to be his constituents. And somebody asked him, what do you think of the Council on Foreign Relations? And he said... The Council on Foreign Relations, also known as the CFR, is the greatest threat to our sovereignty. He said, and I quote, they are a pernicious nest of snakes. And then he started giggling and everybody laughed along with them because those people thought or know like I do that the CFR is a is an organization completely outside our government. It's basically the power elite. And they uh, I had a clip once I played on the air of Hillary saying, oh, I'm so glad Uh, The CFR moved its offices right near the State Department because now I don't have to go so far to find out what I should be doing and how I should be thinking about the future. I mean, that is a risk to our sovereignty when an international think tank is dictating, basically, American foreign policy. Well, when Ted Cruz was saying this, I think it was at the same time, but in any case, around that time, his wife was not only a member of the CFR, she was literally writing the book on the North American Union. So uh, it was pretty crazy and so duplicitous. And then he came out uh, with a book that said that he called it, um, I think his book is called A Time for Truth. And it just was like newspeak to me. Anyway, so I'm going uh, to give you a little more about my picks and, and why I like them. 
Uh, Carol wants to go through my top choices after the break, so I'll take some calls. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I'm giving you my libertarian perspective on who I think are the top 10 candidates or the polling the highest on um, in the GOP polling. And they're doing a debate, a, a primetime debate, 9 o'clock on Fox on Thursday. And I think this is probably roughly the list that's going to be on there. And I'm going to just rattle off the names real quick, let you know where I stand, who I like the least and who I like the most, my my 10, my number 10, my least favorite, I was just talking about before the break. Uh, I no longer trust this guy. Not that I ever really trusted, but Ted Cruz, next, Jeb Bush, number eight, Chris Christie, number seven, Mike Huckabee, number six, Marco Rubio, number five, Scott Walker, and then my top four, Ben Carson. I just like him because I think he's honest. Donald Trump. I cannot believe he is on the made the cut. For me, I really shocked myself. That just shows what the what the field looks like. John Kasich, the governor of Ohio, is my number two pick. Also a shocker to me. My number one shouldn't shock anybody. Rand Paul still getting at least the benefit of the doubt that he's just being practical by compromising on a lot of important issues, particularly his foreign policy is very different from his father's. And uh, I want to take some calls and then I want to tell you why I think this uh, how we define defense and what we think the facts are is what the, the critical problem with this country right now that I can I distill it all down to how we view what's good for our national defense. And I'm going to tell you about that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Carol and Ackworth. Hi, Carol. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. It's great to hear talk to you. Uh, as a fellow libertarian, I've been beating this horse for a while, too. Oh, great. So what So what do you think? I, I like most of your choices. Um, I would prefer Ben Carson a little bit higher. Uh, there's something about the man that he is just so eloquent, and I've never seen him make a slip like so many of the other ones have. Because so he's far. sincere, right? He's extremely yeah. sincere, and he's just a very giving person. He's smart as a whip. And he takes his time in answering. He doesn't get caught up in these little gotcha questions that some of the other ones are in. I've loved John Kasich for years. I oh, really? When he was in the house, I think very highly of him. When I heard he was in there, I was like, okay, now we have a real race. Because that man has done a lot for Ohio. And the whole thing with the Medicaid, yeah, he, di- he did what he had to for his state. That's yeah, I think that you have to, it's not necessarily the right thing. I'm I'm an anarcho-capitalist. Like, I think yeah. that the federal government, ultimately, when you give them all the power, cannot be trusted. Like, the Articles yeah. of Confederation did not give the federal government the power to tax. Like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but once you give them all that power, so, so yes, ideally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this system. But when you have it, it's. I think it's comp- a valid argument anyway that your people pay thirty percent of their money or forty percent of their money to the federal government, and if if the system is that's how you get it back, I think it's. I think I wouldn't hold him to account for that. Can't hold him for that. And Rand Paul, I loved Ron Paul. Yeah, me too. And 
that apple tree thing, nah, even farther down on my list. And the other thing was with Jeb Bush. I yeah. sincerely think Jeb Bush is probably the best out of the Bushes. And unfortunately, there's too much of a track record. In I know, but that's like, that's still not, I mean, if you read the deep history about the Bush family, I think you, you're probably right, which is why, like, they're dragging him kicking and screaming into this. So it's got to be a testament to his, a good character, to that he's reluctant. But the yeah. Bushes, I mean, it's just the history is too deep and dark. I just, I don't think he could stand the pressure. And too many of the other ones, Trump, Cruz, and everything, they're what I call the chest thumpers. They just want sound bites and time on the air. Yeah, and that's and, when they get really, like, these strange one-liner comments about foreign policy that is just so bombastic, so aggressive. Exactly. And that's it, like, that scares me. That's dangerous. Yeah, because I talked to, I have family members in Maryland, and I, I was like, I wish Ben Carson would have run for the Senate seat that's coming up instead of this. That's a good and idea. They said, no, that's the best thing about him is he is not a politician. Right. I, I understand, but I don't think he'll make it. And if he doesn't, I want him to go for her seat when it comes up. Yeah, because I do, I, like I said, I don't like government having power. Like Chris Christie's like, I know how to work government. It's like, ugh, I don't want you to like to work government. But with Ben Carson, you kind of don't want him getting eaten alive. So he might actually need a little background there. He may need a little bit of that. And like I said, but Kasich from the 80s and everything, the Gingrich thing, I mean, and even. Even with the foreign policy, yes, he was there when they balanced the budget nationally. But even with the foreign policy thing, yes, he's going to have the Republican viewpoint. But he does bring a level of sophistication to the discussion that doesn't make me worried. And, so. the whole, and he's governed a state, a big state. Yes, and because he had a little bit of foreign policy. So, yeah, I like him, and I know the Medicaid thing is bad, but or, but, or whatever, controversial, let's say. But my whole thing is, he just got into the race, and look how fast he's coming up. Yeah, I was so surprised that I was going to like him. Yeah. So, all right, awesome. Thanks, Carol. Uh, I I have a tweet here um, from Daniel saying, I would have Carly Fiorina in my top 10. And I did. I picked the top 10 because I thought it was the people who was actually going to be in the debate. And maybe they'll shoehorn her in the big debate because... Uh, diversity because she's a chick which I absolutely hate but she she is like a businesswoman and I can see how that kind of practical approach to government is appealing to me I I don't want a big government whether they use it to promote business or to do good things I don't want big government I want to take my chances with economic and personal liberty and I'll tell you no matter how they could uh, plan it centrally, how they could use the levers of government for good. It'll never be as good as individual actors pursuing their own happiness. All the resources get allocated perfectly, uh, and uh, the utility is maximized, for those of you who have taken a little economics. I'm going to Clinton in Jefferson. Hi, Clinton. You're on with Monica. Hi, how are you doing? I know you're kind of doing the Republican thing, but That's I want right. to get your opinion on Bernie Sanders and see what you thought about him. Well, I don't think that much about him, like, very often. I think they throw out there sometimes extremists like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders or extreme progressives, whatever, to make their liberal person seem less extreme. So uh, Obama said he wanted a $10 minimum wage. Elizabeth Warren said she wanted a $22 minimum wage. And look, it's at 15 So, Or like that's what the current 
uh, bid is for how we should see that. So I think that sometimes they're just put out there as foils or shells or whatever to make well, the other guy. Seems like, it just yeah. seems like he's getting ahead of Hillary in the race or whatever. I don't think that'll that'll really pan out. I think that th- those guys get like extra media, extra PR to make it interesting. I kind of had that feeling about Trump, that he was getting a lot of extra media because it made the race so much more interesting, and then the other people can pivot away from him uh, on immigration. Say it again? It's because he's getting in everybody's face. Yeah, and and look, we're talking about it, and and I and otherwise, I think if if they came out and was like, hey, come on, let's just admit it, it's going to be Jeb versus Hillary. What would they do for the next twelve months? I actually, heard one of those guys say that the presidential elections are great for the economy. That so many billions of dollars are spent, and that just shows you it's like it's actually like an industry now. So and it's like where would the ratings go if they didn't have these guys? Yeah, and that's what it's all about. So I don't, I think that he'll he'll go away. Maybe he'll give her a run for her money on the debates, but she'll end up looking better for it. But in the end, I do think that. Uh, that they are abandoning Hillary. They're not giving her the cover that they gave her husband or Obama. So I think it's going to get interesting. I'm going to uh, Jeff and Tucker. Hi, Jeff. You're on with Monica. Yeah, hi, Monica. A couple of uh, two points. Uh, one of them is that uh, I, don't, I don't see where the handlers for Rick Perry let him attack Donald Trump so strongly, and I'm not commenting on who I like or dislike, but he went down in the polls how could you attack somebody that was pulling 28% of the vote? And on the issue, it was on immigration, right? It's on the issue that got Trump that big bump. Yeah, and then if you attack him, you're, and let's say that that individual Trump falls out of the race, you're relying on the, these 28% to come on your side. I don't know what yeah. the handlers were thinking. And second point, I think that on the, on the, uh, the Democrats, the one they fear the most, who is the most electable, because it's all the marketing is very important, is uh, the governor of Wisconsin, Walker. He's from a Democratic state. He's proved himself, has a track record. He won the election, obviously. And then he, 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 they had two recall elections, and he beat the unions. He, he beat yeah. them back. And I think they fear him yeah. the most. And one last point mm-hmm. about Donald Trump. I like his outspokenness. I think he makes a lot of points. He doesn't take the nonsense of the press. But the big, the big uh, uh, problem with him is that the unfavorable rating is too high, where you look at a Walker or some yeah. of the other candidates. Yeah, he's too polarizing. Candidates. Yeah. People and, will and hate later, him. Later, when you bring them all together and let them all vote, that's a problem. You, you, you're going to have uh, too many people that, that have a feeling they never vote for him. I mean, I would. I can see down the road if Trump was ever president, uh, an issue or challenge for him would be to to get together and negotiate and work it out uh, like they have to do in politics. But anyway, that's my uh, uh, goal uh, view from the strategic side. Thank you. I do. I think that Trump would not, he just wouldn't be able to bring the middle in. But I think Ron Paul would have. And that's what really um, saddened me about how the Republican establishment manipulates the primary process in many ways, even media coverage to how the primaries are held. Because uh, people, there were enough people in the middle or on the left who 
respected Ron Paul's principled stances on things like civil liberties and foreign policy that he he could have been a unifying force. I think Donald Trump just really repels intellectuals. <laughs> so, and the left thinks of themselves as intellectual. And I think that they just, uh, they, they don't want anything to do with that. But I did want to, uh, I'll take some more calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But one thing I wanted to point out was I, somebody accused me of being anti-conservative, which is, I mean, I, I'm so conservative, I don't, I think government should be nothing. And, uh, and I'm an anarcho-capitalist, so I, but... As basic libertarian tenets, and I do point out most libertarians are not uh, anarchists, they're minarchists. They want a small government, like I was taught by my father, who was a classical, uh, was a uh, like a traditional conservative, a Barry Goldwater conservative. Federal government should be basically the army and the court and not too much else. Well, the tenets, I would say, of libertarianism and conservatism are, are similar. Small government, low taxes, low spending, defend civil liberties and the Bill of Rights, and uh, have a, a strong moral defense policy. Now, if your real, the sole purpose of government is defense, the sole legitimate purpose, if you can convince people that our defense is at stake, then you can violate all the other tenets. You can violate the small government low spending. You can violate the rights, or at least make an argument to violate the rights for security, uh, get aggressive with preemptive wars because it's our last chance to get ahead of this. But in reality, I think the real goal for the people who promote this uh, this view of what's in our national interest from a defense, from a foreign policy point of view are really just trying to shape the world for their own interest or their cronies, really the military industrial complex, energy companies, finance companies, defense companies. And, and they are very powerful in the media and their political messages to convince us that we are acting morally when we support what I consider to be uh foreign policy based on facts that are in dispute. But I think that's where it all kind of feels like it breaks down between the Libertarians and the Republicans. More to come. Uh, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hot and humid out there. 88 degrees outside the studio, but still an 8 on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And I am giving you this libertarian's perspective and only this libertarian's perspective on the GOP candidates that are slated to be in the primetime debate on Thursday. And uh, I've got uh, a lively conversation going on about this because libertarians and uh, uh Conservatives, mainstream Republicans have some some disagreements, but let me get to Robert in Douglasville. Hi, Robert. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Why, why is it nobody's ever saying anything about Jeb Bush and Scott Walker being cousins? If you vote, if you if you don't like Jeb because he's a Bush, how could you vote for Scott Walker? He's in the Bush family too. Are they really? Do you have that? Is that for sure? I never heard that. Oh, Scott, no. Jeb Bush and George Herbert Walker Bush. Surely you heard of that now. Well, I, I know the W stands for Walker, but I did not know that connection. That surprised yeah. me. I'll have to investigate that. Investigate it. That's all I wanted to tell you, that, that you don't like one because of the family connection. You may as well rule out Scott Walker also. 
Thank you so much. I was just reading that six presidents before FDR were uh, relatives of FDR, that it's really a ruling cabal there. Uh, do I have time for a quick one? Let me talk to Kenny and Buford. Uh, you uh, Give it to me quick, Kenny. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Uh, great show. Uh, I just want to tell you that you guys are underestimating Donald Trump so much. The Republican Party, uh, I am, is are so tired of John Banner, Mitch McConnell, and everybody. And Donald Trump is a refreshing voice. And you guys, uh, I'm not sure between him and Ted Cruz. I'm. Um, uh, I think Ted. Ted. I think Ted Cruz is full of it. I appreciate what he's saying. I did get a tweet that uh, my problem. The the problem with my list is that I'm actually taking what these people are saying at face value and it's just all lip service. I actually no longer think Ted Cruz is sincere, but uh, as far as Donald Trump, I, I think that's right. I think that it's, it is refreshing. I think that he does, he has no filter. So you know what he's thinking? Cause it's just, and I'm, look, I'm so looking forward to this debate. Yes. And what he says that uh, it'll be the lights on or lights off for him. Yeah, I agree that he is going to enliven the debate. My only I, I would I'm gonna be interested to see if he comes out so ridiculous that no, he won't. He, he's too smart for that. He won't come out that way. Well, yeah, no, I, I don't think he would do it if unless he's playing a little game with us. Like some people I read it in the Wall Street Journal, this theory, conspiracy theory that that he's still working for Hillary and he's just trying to make the GOP look stupid, you know? No, and I don't believe that. Jail. The whole Clintons need to go to jail and he's the only one that's saying that. And so, I mean, Dude, the, we need someone that's going to stand up and the, tell that to the American people. The Clinton stuff goes so deep. I can't believe she's uh, not under uh, more of an attack. But yeah, I think the debate's going to be super interesting. Uh, James thinks I'm way off base when I, talk, when I talk about defense. And Michael wants to know who I think could bring the Republicans together. So I'll get to those and more calls after this. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.